Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 17th, 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be covering the big news coming out of Pittsburgh that Ray Shero has been relieved of his duties as general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. His eight-year tenure is now over. Uh, Coach Dan Bilesma has yet to be fired, but I think that's just a technicality at this point. I believe he will go as well. And uh, we will discuss pretty much everything about this whole situation. Yeah, that, that whole Dan Bilesma thing, uh, like, we're obviously all following it on Twitter. Bob McKenzie, with his tweets, was, was it seemed pretty emphatic. Both guys were going. Yet, obviously, Shero is the only one that lost his job. Was he off base, or did something change in between that two-and-a-half-hour gap between the, the tweet going out and the announcement being made that it was just Shero? Something had to have changed, in my opinion, because I think Bob McKenzie is the absolute best in the business at what yeah. he does of breaking big, legitimate news. How yeah, often yeah. have his sources that, failed him? I, I believe he was told that. I believe that was the plan, and I believe there was a curveball somewhere in there. So who threw it? <laughs> it's a great question, and one I don't think we'll ever know the answer to. But something happened. Yeah. Bob's not wrong in those kind of situations. He doesn't put out that kind of information unless he 100% believes it. And you know what? Just because he got this one wrong, I still trust that guy completely moving forward. Oh. No, no, I, I trust him. It's just one of those things where you do look at it and you go, okay, something definitely happened in that two and a half hours. It's just what was it and where did it come from? It, that's the, the thing that's sort of, sort of baffling. After the press conference with the announcements, you sit there and it, it, sort of almost every Penguins fan's like, what is going on? You know, everyone was expecting Bilesma to get fired and, and, and you know, I think it's a 50-50 on Shero, but... To have Shero get the gate and, and Bilesma sit there with the job, and you and I both think he's a lame duck. He, he'll he won't be there. Puck drop game one, but it just um, visually it, it looks bad. No, he he That's admitted it. to it. He says I don't have a problem admitting a mistake. Fortunately, don't have to do it too often. Things change quickly, but bottom line, I was wrong. So you know what? Whatever. <laughs> He's right 95% of the time, so you, you take the right with the wrong. And as he said, he, he came out and admitted he was wrong. Didn't didn't throw anyone under the bus, just said, I got it wrong. That's all you can ask. When you've got a guy like that who gives you information, you, you take it knowing that there's a very good chance it's right. Well, I know a lot of people are, or some people are upset that Biosma wasn't fired yesterday. I, I don't think it's, I think it's a non-issue. I think this really only impacts Biosma. Not the Penguins. They're not. He's not coming back. He's not coming back to coach so, the team. <laughs> all right. So, so this impacts Bilesmer in, in a couple of ways. Then, how does he go about getting another job? Like, yeah. he would be sitting there going, "Okay, I know I'm going to get fired, yep. but I can't go for another job." And there are jobs out there that, you know, he would probably walk into if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, certainly, it could be the Penguins playing chess. Even though Mario Lemieux denied keeping Bilesma from job opportunities, but that they could be just holding on to him just a little bit to not allow another division rival to pick him up. 
because he is a good coach. I, he's just not the right coach for this team anymore. He's going to make another team really good, I think. Um, so, if if you look at it in regards to interdivision, who who would he replace in in, in the the Neapolitan, as they like to say on Yahoo, the uh, division. The Washington <laughs> Capitals could go with a Cheryl Biles Macambo if he were Biles was released today. I, I look at that. I look at that roster, and I don't think he suits that roster. I know that sounds stupid. I just I don't think he's. I, my, ha, actually, having said that, I don't know what coach is going to suit that roster. That roster just seems like such a mess from. What McPhee left well, today. Part of fixing the roster to... would be Shero coming in, and you know he's not. Yes, no, it's a good point. He's not a bad GM by any stretch. I think he's still above average, but the Penguins have a, a certain window with Crosby and Malkin, and lately the mm. results have not been where they need to be, and it's been because of some of his mistakes. But he certainly did a lot of good things too, and. You know George McPhee. I, I don't. I don't think his good did outweigh his bad. Whereas Chero's good outweighed his bad. It's, it's funny. You think about Chero in the whole good slash bad. I think one of, for me personally, one of the biggest negatives for Chero is his drafting record, and it's not because he didn't draft any forwards. It's the fact that he drafted all these young defensemen, and they didn't end up in the lineup. As in, the only one that's sort of come up is Despray, and, and if you watch the message boards and, and, and Twitter, everyone said he needed to play more so we could see whether he was good enough. And then you could either play him or trade him and get a forward back for him. And they never did it. So do you get there and go... Is that a general manager's decision or is that a coaching decision? And you get there and you go, as you said, Shiro hitched his, hitched his bag to, to Bilesman. So the two of them go hand in hand in regards to, to roster decisions, game day decisions, all that sort of stuff. So it's a tough one to try and work out. Well, you watch 24-7 the year Penguins were involved in it with their outdoor game. And yeah. you saw just how... In line, what they were with each other, how they evaluated the team. So there's no doubt in my mind that they were both on the same page with these decisions. And Actually, if you, if you sit there and think about that, I, I was fortunate enough to meet them all after a game. My, my last game that I was in Pittsburgh for when I, I had a trip over to, to the States, I was fortunate enough to meet Shiro, um, Bilesma, Yo. Actually, basically, almost the entire support staff, really. I mean, Mike Cater made it possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I got to meet all of those guys. And you're right, they are really, they are, and will slash were now, an extremely tight unit. And, and so you make a really good point. And um, Dayan Kovacevic of the Pittsburgh Tribune did wonderful work yesterday in getting an interview session with Mario Lemieux, Ron Burkle, and David Morehouse of the Penguins. And those guys usually do not talk to the media or give any insight into how the hows and whys of what happens in the Penguins world. And 
they were very revealing yesterday, and one of the big things that I noticed was they and Mario and Ron Burke were not happy about the young guys not getting in, specifically Dupre, and that. Did you did you did you hear it or read it? Read it. Yes, I only read it as well. I was just just curious if you guys to whether, and and, and Diane did a really really good job of of emphasizing tone of the conversation but just it would have been good to hear as well yeah that would have been nice but i'll take what i can get mario does not uh speak too often so if it's in print i'll take it in print yes correct i agree so i think they the ownership group is just tired of not utilizing the young players on the team and i cannot blame them because every team you need entry-level contracts you need players on them to, to produce and, and help lessen the burden of your cap ceiling. Because the Penguins keep trotting out veteran players that cost more, and they're not, for what they're being paid, they're not a, that much of an upgrade over what they could have the Penguins could have used with a guy like Dupre. If they would have just played him, Scuderi probably wouldn't have been a necessity, right? I don't, I don't, look, if, if they'd have, this is the thing, if they'd gone with Dupre midway through last year, you get to this year, in the off-season, they wouldn't, I don't think they'd have signed Scuderi, they'd have gone with Dupre and taken the good with the bad, and by the time you get to game 82, the, the bad would outweigh, the, the good would outweigh the bad, and you go with him in the playoffs, because Everyone knows if they've been listening to this podcast, our opinion of, of the way Scuderi's gone. And, and as you said, it's, that contract is a massive anchor in regards to this, this team's flexibility moving forward. And those are exactly the kind of choices that has Ray Sherrill looking for other employment. And I, yeah. I can't say I disagree with that. No, and he, he will get other employment. He's a good GM. We'll get, he just we'll made get a other couple employment of, in a week <laughs> or less. Yeah, he's... He's just made some some bad decisions in regards to the way this rost this particular roster is made up, and the direction he thought that the the club should be heading obviously wasn't the same one that that the uh, owners thought it should be heading. So the the big decisions now for the Penguins in, is who should should take over the, the the reins, and and then what does that person do in regards to coaching stuff? I think. You know, his drafting has been called into question, obviously, with not taking many forwards, and he hasn't. But you can make up for that if you, like you had stated, if you play the young defensemen that are ready. And you can spend that extra money on the forwards. But instead, he doubled down in paying an over-the-hill defenseman like Scuderi. Doesn't use Dupre's ELC, and their bottom six is a dumpster fire the whole year. I'll, I'll I'll put my hand up and say I was I was okay with the Scuderi sign. Yeah, I was too, but I was I, wrong. I, I, I wasn't. I no, and I, I wasn't happy with the amount that he signed, but I was happy with the signing. But Scuderi just fell apart. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the player that I wasn't expecting the player that left Pittsburgh, but I wasn't expecting the player that came back to Pittsburgh. It was almost like. He finished at LA, and his body just wouldn't do what his brain wanted it to do. 
and you know it was it's a constant been a constant bugbear. You go through all of the message boards, the, the Pittsburgh message boards. Skidari is like a lightning rod for complaints and well, trolling and all be. those sorts of things the whole way through. It's been that bad. No, I, I understand. I understand that he should be, but you get there and, and you just sort of sit there and go, that was a signing that didn't have to happen. And, and as you and I have just said, we were okay with the signing, but it was one that didn't have to happen. If they'd have gone and played Despray, you, you and I both think Despray can put can fill the hole. He's more than capable of bottom pairing Correct. minutes. That's the basement oh, yeah. for him. I don't know if mm. he can be a top four guy and a cup contender. I don't know because he's never been given a chance. They were going to make the playoffs yeah. this year, right? There, was there ever any was doubt the about them making the playoffs? That interview. There was never any that, doubt. That was, that was one of the points made in the interview with, with Diane and the, the owners of the Penguins was those sorts of things. Like He actually made a, a direct reference point to Despray, and you could tell they were not happy with the way he was handled. And, and most of the fans were not happy with the way he was handled. You know, the rumor was that he came into camp out of shape and then obviously ticked the coaching staff off or whatever, whatever. But no one could understand why he never got a legitimate chance to show that what he was worth. And in the flashes that he, he did come in and play, he looked all right. He looked better than... He was fine. Yeah, exactly. So... Is is that a is that a general manager's fault or is that the coach's fault who decides who gets on the ice? They were on the same page. There was both of their faults. They'll both be gone because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much. They wanted to make these decisions together as a tandem. They will both be looking for work as a tandem. <laughs> Do you think it'll come to that? Do you really think that wherever Shiro goes, Bosman will go? Oh, I don't know for sure. Because I don't know how the Penguins, how long they'll yeah. keep. I have no idea the time frame of when they'll let Bilesma go. Um, I just know that he will eventually. He won't be coaching this this team. If ownership was so hell bent in this interview on saying how the young players were mishandled and not used properly, and then on top of it, one of the most intriguing parts of this interview was the fact that. The hiring of Jacques Martin did not come from Cheryl or Bilesma. It came from Mario Lemieux because he did not feel the team adjusted appropriately between the regular season and the playoffs. And if Mario lets the hockey operations run on their own, clearly, because they disagreed with a lot of what Cheryl was doing, but they still let him do That's it true. because they, when they give total control, they mean total control which is respectable and they don't like how it's gone thus the firing but how you know biles was not coming back if they hired a guy to fix his shortcomings that they didn't like they said nope you're gonna hire this guy on your staff because we think you're doing a pretty bad job in this area he's not coming back so i I liked your article on, on hockey buzz but is that even possible? Is there a way that the Penguins can get Babcock? <laughs> I don't know. In the 2014-15 season? Or are they going to have to tread water for a year 
and go 15, 16. I wish I could give an expert opinion on it. I just don't know the logistics of how he's under contract with Detroit. How does that? Correct. Yep. Detroit's going to have to let him go. still under contract anyway. The the situation that I think is, if this is going to actually happen, which I have no idea, would be Mike Babcock (laughs) wants to to go year to year. He doesn't sound like he wants to sign a long-term extension. There's a coach in Grand Rapids that they are pretty high on right now. Who's that? Uh, I can't think of his name offhand, to be honest. Sorry, I knew it was. I, I knew it was not right. <laughs> <laughs> But he's a guy they've been grooming to take over for Babcock. Do they risk losing that guy, keeping Babcock year to year on this, and not? There's some uncertainty there about handing the torch over to this this other guy. Maybe they just say, you know what, unless we can get you locked up long-term, maybe we'll just hand that guy the keys now. Um, who knows? The the Bilesma staying on stuff is strange enough. I don't know if it has anything to do with that potential situation. I have no idea. I'll, the only thing I will say is I think Mike Babcock is the absolute best-case scenario for a coach for the Penguins. I'm just oh, very yeah. skeptical on the realities and logistics of executing <laughs> acquiring yeah. him i he's the best i would hand pick him if there was no no doubt about it but i don't know how it's going to happen would you take him would you take him over Joel Quinville? yeah definitely okay no no it's just Mike babcock handles himself brilliantly he values the right things he knows how to coach superstars i mean he's got he's two for two Team Canada, gold medals, that's huge. Is there any more pressure that yeah. comes with that? Managing well, superstars Canada, and he oh here's here's why he is the best in my opinion. And people are gonna say, Well, he, he hasn't won any cups or the Red Wings haven't done anything more than the Penguins. And yes, technically all true, but you know what? They both don't have the same rosters. Here's what does matter for coaches. Does that coach put his players in the best position to succeed. I think Mike Babcock kills it in that area. He always puts his players in a proper position to succeed. I don't think that roster should have made the playoffs this year, and they did. He knows where to put people to get the most out of them. They've lost Nick Lidstrom. They're in a transitional period right now. They are not the Detroit Red Wings of a few years ago. Yet here they are making the playoffs with Datsuk and Zetterberg out for much of the year. And I actually thought they were going to be the ones that gave the Bruins the hardest challenge just because Mike Babcock values speed, skill, all that kind of stuff that I love. And he uh, he just he gets it. He gets the modern NHL, and he's, he's a great communicator. That five-game series wasn't simple. So they, Boston didn't walk out of that, you know, five-game series. Like, it could have been a lot closer. It was they, All those problems were tough. They just didn't have to play the extra 120 minutes through seven. Mm-hmm. So they were lucky, Boston. And the other thing with Mike Babcock is, when's the last time you, you saw um, a Craig Adams or Tanner Glass playing on his team, that kind of play? His, yeah, his fourth liners a... can skate... They may not, you know, that the, I'm not saying his fourth liners are awesome, but they're not useless plugs that don't have a purpose. 
Yeah, we've got the only guy they've yeah. had in that role, I think, in the last few years. And you'll have to forgive me because I'm not covering the Red Wings super close. But Jordan Tutu comes to mind, and you know what? They saw that. They cut bait with him. They moved on. What about Todd Bertuzzi in that? He can play. He's got hands. I, He's small. If can't skate. But there's skill there. And that's the argument you've made quite a bit over the last four or five days. There's a the whole argument of, you know, because in the interview with Diane, it was all about, you know, they used those buzzwords, grit and toughness. Yeah. And, and grit and toughness, grit and toughness on their own isn't enough. If you've got skill, grit and toughness, tick tick. If you've got grit and toughness minus skill, it's like, no, no. If you know what I mean. I, so, I think grit, character, toughness, group them all together. Absent skill, it's a worst case scenario. You're not going to win games on mythical character and grit. And toughness, that defines what Tanner Glass is. <laughs> is that not how you would describe him? No, you're him? on the money. Yep, correct. No, no, you're now, exactly right. There is that thin line on grit, toughness, and all that character stuff. Because if you combine that stuff with skilled guys, that is the best case scenario. Here's the problem. Yeah. You yep. can't acquire these guys because guess what? Teams aren't giving those kind of players up for obvious reasons. So how do you get them? You draft them. Draft them. What was Shero's big downfall? Couldn't get them. Did not draft them. So here we are. You want all that stuff, but you need to combine it with skill. And the Penguins went for some of that stuff and did not back it up with any talent and their bottom six paid dearly for it. And they left it to Crosby and Malcolm to do everything. And in hockey, you can't do that. You need to surround your superstars. Now, let's just clarify, though. Skill isn't... We're not requiring top-end skill here. We're just requiring players that can do stuff with the puck, not just chip and chase. So, So when you get there and you say skill... If you go grit and toughness, just trying to think of the, the Penguins lineup, someone with Brandon Sutter's skill, I'd be okay with grit and toughness with someone at his level of skill. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That, that, that's the thing. Like, you get there and go, it's skill. You don't. How often do you find someone with a. Playable. Uh, a, playable. Like, they're correct. making hockey plays out there. They're not just. They don't treat the puck like it's a hand grenade about to go off and it's got to be off their stick. That's what I, I was about to say. It doesn't explode on their stick, yeah. Oh, I need to get this off as soon as possible. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, I, yeah. Players that don't panic with the puck. I, Look, that, that, that game seven of that Rangers-Penguins series, I've, I just realized tonight I've got about 12 Rangers Cups like recyclable Rangers cups, they're great cups that I got from when I went to when I went to the States in 2010, and I, I took a drink out of one today, and I've gone, holy crap, what am I drinking out of this thing for? <laughs> like you can't, it's just it's just a reminder of really Pittsburgh should be playing Montreal to go to the Stanley Cup. That's how disappointing that game seven was, and, and I sit there and think about some of the chances there was. I think it was Brandon Sutter. He was. All on his own, 
just in the high slot in that game seven. And and Craig Adams passed the puck behind him. Like just straight behind him. Just didn't even Tanner, nowhere near him. Tanner Glass is playing over Bo Bennett in a game where you need offense. Yeah. And as you said before and, we started and, this, let's, and not, furthermore, let's not go back to that game. Well, Bo Bennett is one of few high-end guys that Shiro invested at for the forward position. He's one of the few playable yeah. forwards that the Penguins have in their organization that would be considered homegrown. And he gets benched for Tanner Glass to play four or six minutes in a game seven. You tell it's, me where that yeah. makes sense. That's why Dan Bilesma is on the chopping block. All, all year, both you and I have been advocating, for the word I'm looking for, advocating speed and skill for this lineup. It, it's, it's pretty obvious, particularly because the big bad Bruins, uh, admittedly, it was a Game 7 loss, but they lost to a team that's got speed and skill. And they're small. Everyone complains about the Montreal Canadiens being a small, tiny team, yet they still beat the big bad Bruins. And you get there and go, this is a speed league now. If the NHL wants the league to to be, well, palatable is the wrong word, but exciting for fans that aren't NHL fans to watch it, you've got to have speed. You've got to have fast plays and, and players that can play at speed with their hands because that's what's exciting. That's what makes the game fun. All the clutching and grabbing and the beautiful interference that teams like Boston and, and Detroit can do. Hey, but you know what? If Mike Babcock comes to Pittsburgh, they'll get to finally be on the right side of that one. I, look, I, I love Babcock in regards to what he can do, but I hate that about him. I really, really do. And you're right. It's not on, be on the right side. It's on the league. No, no. Correct. And, and the thing is, if the league does suddenly adjust and change, not that so will, but Babcock. if they did something, Correct. That's right. He's got that ability to, to make those adjustments and changes, which admittedly both you and I said earlier on, I think maybe two weeks ago, that Bob a good job of making in-game adjustments for those sorts of things. But, yeah, it's one of those things where you sort of sit there and just go, well, the next three months is going to be very interesting for this Pittsburgh club. The next two, two to three weeks is going to be extremely exciting. I think the time frame to hire a GM is two weeks. So we'll, we'll see that settled pretty quick. And if they're saying that the new GM is going to come in and, you know, have total control over the coaching situation, that means Bilesma is going to be hanging on until that choice is made. Um, but the new GM's first thing isn't going to be like, yep, I want this guy. <laughs> that would what? be a PR okay. nightmare. And, and you're exactly right. He should have yeah. been canned yesterday. You, That's my personal you, opinion, but whatever. He's going to be gone, like we said. I, and I, I agree. But would you, you've been an advocate of in regards to the way Jason Botterill's handled the salary cap, and not just that, but apparently he's been very big on the advanced stats, all those sorts of things. Would Botterill even be cons- yes? He is seriously. Yeah, they've said that. Much. Okay, they've they've specifically so mentioned not, him as the only one by name that's a candidate. No, no, and, and I, I do understand that, but that's because he's in the system. Is being in the system a concern because of the attachment you might have to 
Sure. It all depends. This is behind the scenes stuff that I, that we are not privy to. Yeah. What if Jason Bottero did not agree with a lot of Chero's decisions with the aging yep. players and how they went about things? He's the assistant GM. He's there to provide support. He's there to give his opinion. Ultimately, it's on Ray Shero as the big boss to yep. take that information that's given to him and make the choices. If Bottero was a clone of Shero, don't you think that Lemieux and Burkle would have canned Bottero yesterday as well? There must be something differentiating Bottero from Shero, otherwise he would have been fired yesterday. Totally agree. My hope is that he was giving Shero alternatives, and they weren't alternatives just for the sake of it. They were, you know, Bottero's legitimate thought processes, and that's why they're thinking about Jason Bottero, because he had a completely different view of how the club should be handled. Perhaps. We don't know Um, for sure. No, 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 that's what I mean. In that direction, but yeah, I tell you what did concern me though was the whole thought process of Pat Brisson being the uh, general manager. Pardon? What did concern me was Pat Brisson being considered. Yeah, that's that's a PR nightmare. Good grief! That's (laughs) such a bad idea. Even if Brisson would be a competent and, and successful GM. Do you really want that perception out there that the Penguins are catering to Sidney Crosby like that? It's what, what Crosby's agent. Yeah, it's already out. It's already out there. No, dude. but there's no tangible <laughs> proof of any of that. Evident. This Evident that hiring. Argue. How could you argue <laughs> against that? If you if you were Pat Brisson, why would you bother? Oh, I know. <laughs> they make a killing. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for him to have to drop all of those clients to go and do that. It's and, and it would the, the stress levels for that job would be so much higher. We have a local agent I here just, in Rochester, uh, Bartlett, who does well with a lot of our local players and Thomas Fanick and all that. And he certainly cleans up. Let alone Brisson, who's got top end top yeah. end clients like Crosby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I. I the only thing is sometimes when you have that much money, money is pointless. You've already made more than you're going to spend, and now it's about ego. ego. And, yes. And just nah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, no. no, I, no. That's, I know a lot of times ego is shown in a negative light, but no, you want to prove that you can do something, and you, and you want to put the money aside to go prove it. I, I admire that, but I just hope it's not with the Penguins. Thank you. I agree. There, I, okay, so so we've we've gone through one, as far as I'm concerned, legitimate option. This I'll um, say too about Bodrels if he potentially stayed around. The draft is coming up, and there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. And if you brought in a whole new um, Regime. Yeah, it, it's just tough that close beforehand. But if they stick with Botterill, I'm totally fine with that as long as he differentiates himself from some of the things that Shero did poorly and embraces new age statistics that are out there. The Blackhawks have openly well, admitted to using them. 
their third and fourth lines kick ass, and they have the superstars around them. When the Blackhawks went through their first cup and they lost Bufflin, they lost Ladd, they, they lost some really key parts. They were oh, dude, down yeah. for a little bit. But you know what happened there? They drafted guys. They have Brandon Saad playing top six minutes at times. They they got Nick Letty playing boy, that, good minutes on the Chiefs. Boy, does that, that, draw, that Saad draft pick really burns Penguins fans. I know it does, and it's because he's local. But let's be honest. The Blackhawks passed on him three times that draft, too, I believe. I know. No, no, I know. It's just funny. That's all. He's a second-round pick, and the Blackhawks passed him up three different times. <laughs> Come on. He wasn't a slam dunk prospect. There's a reason he no. got he he didn't have a good last year juniors. In hindsight, yeah, the Penguins screwed that up. They yeah, but it came. also it also helps that he's ended up at the Blackhawks. I mean, you get there and go, he's he's being sheltered in regards to the workload that's on. It's just he fell into a good spot. Well, he would have been in a good spot in Pittsburgh too, if we're being honest. Actually, very good point. You know. <laughs> But, I mean, there are other candidates out there for GM as well. Um, Benning from the Bruins, assistant GM, he's kind of in Botterill's position where he's an up-and-coming guy everybody's talking about. He's done an excellent job doing drafts. That's kind of what he's known for. I would endorse the Penguins looking in, a, in that guy's direction. Here's what cannot happen. You cannot... Go out and get one of these retreads, old school hockey. No, guys. do not, no, do no, not, no. do not. Let me hear the name: Jay Feaster, Darcy Regeer, Mike Gillis. Do not, do not, do not go that route. Find an up-and-coming young, bright mind that understands the modern game and is willing to embrace all of the great information that's available these days. That's what the that's what the Penguins need. That's what all 30 NHL teams need. It's it's funny. Pittsburgh have done a really good job moving into the 21st century in in regards to their marketing, the use of social media. They need to make sure that their hockey ops does the same thing. Yeah, and I think they do use some of that. I don't think they're totally old school, even on the even with Shero. I think there's good amount of seeds planted there. I just hope the next group that comes in just goes all in with it. Um, well, look, the, the the ownership of the guys that are paying the contracts here for the players, so if they don't put the right coaching staff in to get the most out of the next four years of Malkin and Crosby, because that's generally the window where players will then start dropping off, then that's the ownership's fault. But here's if the they, nice if thing. They hire, if they hire the wrong guy, that's their fault. Here's the nice thing with Crosby and Malkin, though. They're going to be really good for a long time. They are in a closing window when they're the ones that is are going to be carrying the mail, so to speak. Like, they can carry yeah. a team right now. They proved it all year this year. The Penguins should not have been yeah. even half as successful as they were. Those two guys literally did everything. With the bottom six the way it was, with the defense injuries the way they were, they literally won games in the regular season for them, hands down. Malkin tried to win Game 7 on his own, but that didn't work. Nope. Can't fault him for trying, though. He wasn't getting any help. Oh, um, that was amazing. So while that window is closing, the window for them to be contributors on a Stanley Cup championship are not even close to coming to an end. They'll be good enough 
in their mid-30s to be totally top six players on a cup champion. The guy that comes in right now to be GM needs to give them the chips to play with during that time frame. They're going to have to surround those two superstars with better talent than they have now. And they're going to have to because guys like Kunitz and Dupuy are going to be gone. So, Yeah, that's the thing with... There, you look at all the post-mortems of the, the Penguin season this year, a, a lot of people have forgotten that Dupuy left early and that top line of you know, Kunitz, Crosby and Dupuy was never the same. You just couldn't replace him. And you know, everyone complains about his lack of hands and the amount of goals he misses from perfect passes from... Crosby, you get there and go, but his speed is what created a lot of those opportunities. He's not replaceable in that sense. And he's not, you look at his skill set as a general sense and speed's his best quality. What do you do in that situation next year? Do you just go back to the three players on that line and, and look to replace other people? Or do you go in the free agent market and go, Look, I think Bannock's going to go to Minnesota, but you can get there and go, screw it. We'll throw money at Bannock and see if we can get Thomas Bannock to play in Pittsburgh with Crosby. No, I don't. You'd be paying a big price for past success. What yep. what he's going to command on the open market is going to be seven mil a year for seven or eight years. Oh, that doesn't fit. As soon as you said seven, it doesn't fit straight away. No, you're just doing what Shero was doing and hedging his bets on yep. older forwards. That The Penguins are done with that, it, it, at least if I'm reading properly the article with Lemieux and Burkle, is they want to be younger, faster, not older, slower. Vanek is old, slow, highly talented. That does not fit the mold of what they were saying in the interview yesterday, young, fast. They want- so who who is it? Who would you like? Because the free agent market this year is pretty thin. Yeah, it is. It's not good. So, this is I'll, not a good time to be, you know, doing this. <laughs> so who would you like to look at for a top six forward? Because I think the Penguins need to finally go. All right, Sid can't carry a full line on his own. I, I think it's pretty obvious that as good as Chris Kunitz is, a lot of him his results are from the fact that he's with Crosby. He's a great complimentary player. Yes. I think Sid needs Sid needs a Hosa. Not to the level of Hosa, but Sid needs someone around. You know what I mean? Marion Hosa. That's a better word. (laughs) Like literally Marion Hosa. Yeah. (laughs) That's the guy Sid deserves. That's not gonna happen. No, I know that, but that's not that and Cheryl did try to lock him up, so I'll give credit there. He really tried hard. Oh, yeah, no, no. It wasn't from lack of trying. He just didn't want to. You're right. Um, And here's the problem. James Neal does not fit the character and speed that Mario Lemieux was talking about yesterday. Some of his comments are directly opposite of what James Neal is. But here's the problem. Mm -hmm. The Penguins don't have goal-scoring wingers. So what do you do here? They're obviously, I think, going to move on from him. If you get rid of Neil, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You get rid of Neil, you're just going to either replace him with another winger with flaws. Yeah, well, that or, I, if he if he's traded, it has to be for another winger. 
End of story. And so, and so you trade him. Who is there? <laughs> That's your problem. Well, I have my bias on who to go after, and I'm not so sure the guy's even available, but uh, Evander Kane would be my number one choice for the Penguins to I can't. As turbulent as that relationship's been, I can't see them giving. Oh, they'd be morons to do it. They would be stupid to do it. I totally agree. It's 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 worth picking up the phone and finding out, though. Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. Particularly if you're a Penguins fan, you want them to pick up the phone and and ask. And some people are going to be like, well, if you're getting rid of James Neal for character and all that, what's Evander Kane? And to that, I say nonsense. I don't buy a lot of what I say that that's, narrative I say is selling. That's situational. I don't buy a lot of that narrative for Kane, and I think there's a, the pink elephant in the room on why he catches a lot of flack, if you get what I'm saying. Being? Oh, sorry. It's race. A bit slow on that. Sorry. To be honest. Hearing, I've had a couple of drinks. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I'm going there with this. Place. I think it's race-related. <laughs> Fair enough. You're not going to hear me argue that. You know, P.K. Subban deals with that that selfish narrative at times, too. Give me a break. So yeah, it's... Give me Evander Sports, Kane. I don't sports know how, are a funny one. Don't know how or why. Get him on the Penguins. That's a guy with speed to burn. That's a guy with skill out the wazoo. And that's a guy with that grit <laughs> that they're talking about. That's the, and, and Is that's he the, not the player the you want talking about? Yeah. Yep. He fills everything. Hey, Wayne, look, for me, Wayne Simmons is a really good example. Perfect example. Of of the grit that they're talking about. Absolutely. He's the sort of guy that you, that you want to have on your team. Like, I just hate the fact he's a flyer. <laughs> yeah, but the, those two totally are what the Penguins lack. But what's the common denominator other than <laughs> – actually, they both happen to be – Black, but that's oh, not the one. The skill. The skill is the common denominator. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, you're um, right. It's the skill. They possess great skill and all that other stuff, and that makes it the perfect scenario. So, you don't you don't need a Craig Adams with grit and hard work, slowing up. The hard team. work should be a given. It it's the NHL. You're playing on a contender. Right? Yeah. Now, actually, thought just popped in my mind about you said targeting free agent wingers. Yeah. There was one I talked about that the Penguins should have traded for, and they didn't. They let Ottawa get him. I would target Alesh Hemsky. Oh, now, who's the dude on Hockey Buzz that keeps going on about that? Travis Yost. And myself. That's... Travis Yost no, no, no. spoke to the Ottawa the, the Penguins. The, the, the Penguins, the Penguins guy. Oh me? Is it NH? Is it NH? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, no, no, no. I was just trying to remember who it was. No, but Yost was, uh, boy. was speaking to that kind of move that needed to be made for the Senators, and he brings up all the same points that I was making concurrently with his blogs, and and it's that Hemsky was a victim of terrible circumstances in Edmonton and once again you get these lame narratives he doesn't care he's lazy blah 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 no he's also he's not playing with good he's not playing in a good situation he gets out of that bad situation oh look 
And, and let's be honest, the Senators, that wasn't a home run situation. No, not a buy But it was way better than Edmonton, and he was a point-per-game guy with them. You put him on Sid's line, or Gino, look out. That guy loses talent. I don't, I don't, okay, this is the thing. I don't understand how us as, us as fans, bloggers, message board writers can sit there and, and see these things. Like you could see that Hemsky was better than the results he was getting in Edmonton, right? You could just tell that you put him in a situation to succeed and he was going to succeed. Why is it so hard for management and hockey? It's an old boys to, to see these, and they're stuck Thank in their you, ancient and, philosophies that they yep. grew up with, and let those teams so make where, those mistakes. Let the Penguins not be that team. Let them understand these kind of things. Let them see that guys like Alesh Hemsky are victims of a circumstance and not victims of baseless narratives written about them. Because Alesh Hemsky, part of his injury stuff, because he does get injured, that's that's fair to say. Could it be because he's playing impossible minutes on a nightly basis and he's getting crushed by the opposition because he's not given any kind of favorable ice time? Ever? So that, that and the, th- the thing that I find funny about you saying those things is that that's not even that's not even deep analysis that's watching a five game spread and going who's he having to play against Who, who's he playing with is he getting absolutely hammered is he breaking down because of those you know what I mean like that's not difficult analysis that's not getting there and relying on the wonderful it's not numbers difficult that you'd like if you're willing to, to look at it some people are not willing to look at it. They want to dismiss it. Um, I, I find that a lot of people that, listen, these numbers that I'm talking about and, and the new metrics and all this stuff, it, it's not going to give you the right answer 100% of the time. That's not what this is about. It's about putting yourself in a better yeah. position to make yep. the right choice. It's about probability. If you can up your probability by using the numbers from like a 30% of making a good decision to 65, 70, or yeah, 65, 75%, why wouldn't you do that? There's still a 25% chance you get it wrong, but you're wrong less often. It's less less than 65. You know what I'm saying? Like, people against the numbers are always arguing, oh, it doesn't tell everything all the time. We know this. Duh. (laughs) There isn't a magical formula that's going to give you every answer all the time and be right. I understand this. You, the the people that are best on the blogosphere understand this. The people that argue against advanced statistics do not understand that. It's not a if god I particle. Have to admit, this is the most angry I've actually heard your tone of voice since we started these podcasts. Obviously, everything you've just said then, that attitude of you know, and you know it's not the god particle but the attitude of people that are against these stats that are suggesting that it is has obviously, and quite rightfully I'm tired so, of being told off. that they're not good because if they were great, they'd work all the time. And it's just rubbish. It's about putting yourself yeah. in a better position to make good decisions. And you cannot argue against that's what these stats do. And they do it. I agree. I agree. I haven't, I haven't 
taken the uh, the time like you have to understand them as well. But when you lay them out in your articles and stuff, you can you can see the proofs in the pudding. You, you can see that. You, you can see having particular styles of players or, or particular results from players. It pays off. Correct. And and I think that. some of the writers, Steve Simmons in Toronto being the, no. <laughs> the number one guy for this, he he makes an ass out of himself all the time. You know why he's upset? Because these advanced statistics throw away his self-concocted narratives he writes about. He can't control the discussion anymore because there's objective forces working against him as opposed to his subjective nonsense he puts out there. And a lot of these old school guys that write are really pissed off because they no longer have control over the narrative. You know what's really funny? Everything that we've sort of talked about in the last two or three minutes sounds a lot like politics in Australia at the moment. Both sides of the political scene in, in this country have been able to create their own narrative through, you know, TV media and paper media. Well, now because of, you know, social media, they don't get a chance to control it. And, and that seems to be the, the, the problem that old school media in hockey and, and old management in hockey are struggling with at the moment. They, they've lost control. They, they're not in control anymore. This whole new wave of, of information's come out and they don't know how to handle it yet. Maybe some of them will never will and they'll, they'll be lost. Um, but some Sooner will adjust better. and do very well. Yeah, you won't hear me argue that. And, and don't get me wrong. There are people that use the statistics that aren't as good at using them. And it, it is a learning process. I'm relatively new to a lot of it, but I'm learning as I go, hopefully learning fast. But some people don't... You help, I'll tell you what, you're definitely helping me with it. Um, it's an evolving science. It's not perfected. And you just got to keep reading information, learning information, and it's out there. It's all out on the internet. It's a wonderful time to be a sports fan. There's never been a more educated fan base for any sport. It's it's all out there to be had if you're willing to read it. So that's just my thought. Or you could ignore it. Is that half, is that half, is that half the problem? Most of the fan base just want to ignore it? Well, it's not going away, so they can choose to ignore it, but it's not going away. You're better off being at the crest of the wave rather than being dumped on. Jump on the bandwagon now. It's not going away. Well, Penguins fans do. Penguins fans are bandwagon jumpers, apparently, <laughs> so they should jump on. Every fan base has those. <laughs> so. Sorry, I couldn't help it. No, that's all right. Well, is there anything else? Um. I don't know. I, I don't think there's really anything else in regard. Like you said, we'd all be guessing in regards to who they want to go for. We both think that Shiro's gone. Um, there's no point talking about roster decisions until the general manager's actually laid out and, and we, we, we know who the person is and then we can all take guesses in regards to what he'll do in regards to who he is. So we're kind of hamstrung in, in that sense. Um, what I do know is that the, the Final Four's set. Um, I think the Western Conference isn't too much of a surprise. The Eastern Conference... No, I don't um, think the West is a surprise at all. No, but if you look at the East, 
Um, yes, very. I'll, I'll be perfect. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't think I'd see Montreal get this far, and um, I legitimately thought if Pittsburgh were going to get beaten in the order that things went, it would have been Philadelphia, not New York. So I'm extremely surprised. Well. I'll say this. The one thing Mario, when he was talking about the, the grit character speed stuff, he referenced the Montreal Canadiens. So I guess that's good news moving forward because I think the Canadians are a, a great example of what that kind of stuff can do. Uh, beating Boston was, like you said, a, a product of them focusing on what makes them good, not what playing into why the Bruins are good. And, and that's, I suppose that's one of the things that, that's, that's baffling about what happened this year. If you have a look at most of everyone that's that's not what you call mainstream media for hockey, everyone was saying during that Boston Pittsburgh series last year in the conference finals, stop trying to be be Boston. How about you worry about who you are as a club and beat them because of what your strengths are, rather than trying to at the minimum, match up to what Boston's strengths are. Wow. The, the, the Pittsburgh team had no idea how to be Boston, but it wasn't about being Boston. It was about beating Boston being Pittsburgh, and they never did. And that's the thing that was... And that's probably one of the things that was the most frustrating about the, the, the loss to New York, is that I don't think this Pittsburgh team, through this playoff race, really had an identity, and I hate using that word because it's a buzzword again, but... They didn't really seem to know how they wanted to go about being them. Well, they were sort of more worried about not screwing up, I suppose. And maybe that comes with the pressure of everything that's happened in the last four years. I don't know. but The Boston series is probably what started the uh, ownership group considering getting rid of Shero. Because, yep, no, because no, no. this quote yep. from Ron Burkle from the article is really damning. They were talking about the reason they brought Jacques Martin on. And um, they, they said Cheryl embraced it for the ability to adapt to situations. But then Burkle says, and if you look back at that today in some ways, I wish we hadn't made that bet because it's another year. So we're disappointed. It's that we lost yeah. a year to change that we should have made already. So that time frame is saying we, they saw the Bruins series for what it was, not utilizing skill, speed, and they were thinking about pulling the plug after that, but they gave another year, and now they're saying they regret it. So they knew these and problems. I, I, they just, yep, which is good. No, no, which as a Penguins fan is good because if the ownership can see it, it means that they at least value the sort of stuff that will both – you and I are thinking of valuable, um, and at least that means that they're trying. They're going to try and find someone to replace a coach that values the same things. Which you and I both think the NHL is heading that way, so that's a bonus. Well, I'll end on this. Who's the one guy at the top of the Penguins pyramid? Yeah, well, that helps. Mario Lemieux effectively runs the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, he. Gets a lot of help from Burkle, but it's Mario. Anytime the Penguins have been in trouble, who stepped up to the plate? Mario. Actually, has he ever failed? Funny, isn't it? Well, no, but I did read him. Uh, I started reading an article from James Metal just before we started started this podcast, and I think he said that Mario dropped the ball. 
by not firing. It sooner. may not have been murder. No, that's the thing. I never got through it, but he, he seemed to be more having a crack at Lemieux for, I think it was for not fronting. Um, but I think Lemieux did more than fronting up by doing that, that interview with Diane. You know what I mean? I think there was more oh, value they want done him from that interview actually, than there was from... They want him on the podium? Is that what that's about? Yeah, I think so. Oh, whatever. But, but the, the, the interview that I, I think... Penguins fans got more from that interview than having him stand they, up in front of a. I I love James Myrtle. He's he's the best, and I have not read. Yeah, no, article, I agree. I, yeah. So I'm not yep. gonna. Don't take this as criticism of him. I view him in the highest oh, no, of no, lights. No. But I could care less if Mario Lemieux is the guy on the podium saying Ray Shero has been fired. Who gives a shit? I think lack of his lack of availability for questions. But look. To be honest, I should go back and check. I don't think it may not have been. No, that's okay. But I, to, to the criticism usually about him not right being in the up and in front of the cameras like that, that's not him. That's not who he's ever been. Sorry, and the it way he Michael does Grange. his business, it was no, no, it was Michael Grange, not Myrtle. Sorry, okay, wrong guy. That's okay. I still feel the same. Haven't read the article, but Mario yeah, Lemieux yeah, has yeah. never been in front of the cameras. He's never been one to handle his business like that. You know what? Mario Lemieux's track record speaks for itself. Quite frankly, as someone who follows the Penguins, I don't think there's too many better guys to be leading a franchise. He does not have a track record of failure, really at all. So he's he's the one that's going to help choose the next GM. I say roll with it. He seems to uh, have a pretty okay hockey mind. Really? Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Um. Oh, actually, we should probably just throw out some predictions um, before the before the two series start. Uh, LA, Chicago. Oh boy, I haven't even given it a thought. Um, no, I haven't either. Uh, first, That's first, why I'm dumping it on you. Before right I now. jump to that, um, just congrats to Timu. Great career. Oh, that was yeah. That's, I got a chance it's to uh, watch. The Ducks in 07 got to see him score a playoff goal on a pretty sick move, so I was very fortunate to get a little taste of uh, Timu in Anaheim during a high-intense uh, situation. So for that, I'm thankful. Congrats to Timu. Great career. Wish him all the best. Um, I'm going to go with Chicago, and I'm not going to put a number of games on it because I don't think it really matters. I'm just picking Chicago. <laughs> um. Oh, I don't know who to pick. No, you could flip. It, this is like King Sharks, whatever. Whatever team you yeah. pick is oh, not going to be a dumb choice. Just just to be different, I'll pick LA for no other reason than Jonathan Quick. I think Quick's a better guy than Crawford. And if these teams I play think out Quick's the a lot like Flurry, though. I think a lot of it is being intoxicated by his athleticism. I'm not so sure he is as great as... Yeah, is, look, I've been listening. I've been indulging myself by listening to our podcasts, mainly because I've been doing boring stuff out in the backyard. And your story's changed from when the Olympics was on. Yes, it has. He played really well in the Olympics, um, but I start to look at his larger sample size over his career, and I, I think he just, yep, he was great 
there's nothing to be taken away by his consmite year. I'm not going to go and tell Better. you he wasn't great. He was. But that's yeah. not his consistent standard. That's not where he is. That's like Flurry in 07. He was great. But that's clearly and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not saying No, no, no. You don't make No, no, no. Not by any stretch. I get what you But mean, there is though, somewhat of a parallel to, to where yeah. they really played well for a short period of time and they play on great teams and you hear about the win totals and all that, but the win totals speak to team success more than individual goaltender success to me. And I tell you what, it's tough. It's tough on a goalie. It is. And I'm very critical. Yeah. But everyone's very critical. And you have to be, playing, it's, it's the most important, important position. He's, he's played solid hockey throughout his career. His, he doesn't yep. dip down. He, he doesn't necessarily have eye-boggling numbers at times, but he's steady on a team that needs steady. Well, he hasn't fluctuated, has he? He hasn't gone from ridiculously low numbers to ridiculously high numbers, has he? And quick has it. As you said, nice and steady. Nice and steady. Actually, quick ceiling is high, though. I'm not going to come here and say that. Oh, he, course, he can't of course it is. Of string together is. great play. He can. I know that. Actually, uh, Penguins related questions. Uh, Gibson. He looks like he'll be. Yes, he should have been playing you know, most he, of this year. If they didn't want to go the Hiller route, they should have been playing him in a Simone Dupre kind of way. Find out what you got. You're the number one team in the NHL. You're making the playoffs. You have a huge lead. Find out about the kid. Throw him in there. Um, Let's just hope that, that this playoff thing didn't hurt him no, mentally no, or anything. Not at all. To be perfectly honest, I yeah, that's I was about great to say, experience for him. Really, yeah. He played well. And that's, I know last night he was on the wrong end of it, but you know what? He played well. And guess what the Ducks now have? They have a guy a that's going to give them legit number one number goalie, one goalie yeah. and most importantly, on an entry-level contract, which will allow his team to surround him with even better talent. That's that's and and everything you've just said then is the most baffling part about the the Penguins' defensive six. They've got a whole heap of entry-level contracts sitting there. I I, I hope they don't re-sign Niskanen for. On the cheap, you know, and you know what I mean when, when I say that. I, I, I just want them to take the gamble and go, you know what, we, we know we've got young talent, let's trust them. Yeah, you can't do Niskanen we, because his term is going to be so long, it's going to be outlasting his usefulness where he's needed with these young kids. They need yep. Matt Niskanen for one more year is what they need him for. I think they're just going to have to bite happen. the bullet and have that sting this year losing him because – Paying him five and six mil a year for seven or eight years, that doesn't sound like a good no. long-term plan to me. I know that his loss no. is going to kill them next year, but you got to deal with it. You didn't want to – Shero didn't want to extend him earlier before this year when he probably could have got him a lot cheaper. Now, the risk you run with losing this kid – is you lose a little bit of Mata as well. No, that's... Mata's 19. He's only going to get better. That's No, no, no. no. This is the thing. Like, you've seen the... You see, I like to call it the Paul Martin effect now, after everything we've seen. Those two play so much better with each other than either of them did with anyone else on that Penguins team. 
and, and you get there and go, you lose Niskanen, it may take Mata some time to get used to not playing with Niskanen. Uh, I don't know, because the there was also the Mata effect earlier in the year when they put him with every bag of garbage on that defense core. You know, you're right. That's when Skidari stunk, guess you're who right. got it? Mata. When Orpik was stinking, <laughs> guess who got Mata? Mata was the guy the they kid. used to save the veterans last year. It's a good point, actually. I forgot about that. You're right. Um, his old defense partner, Scott Harrington, probably going to be pretty close to making some uh, NHL debut. Uh, Derek Pouliot is a wild card to me. Hopefully he can come in, be productive. I'd be, I'd be really ticked if Desprey and Harrington weren't in the lineup in the first 15 games. I think Desprey is pretty – unless they trade him for a – Forward help? A winger. I yeah. don't see a situation based on what was said yesterday that he will not get legitimate playing time. Uh, so there's that. But, you know, it's time to trust the kids. And and then furthermore, if Derek Pouliot is supposed to be really good and they didn't want to include him in the Ryan Kessler trade because he's going to be really good, well... It's time. It's apply. time that he becomes really good in, on an entry level contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, actually, speaking of Kessler, I made that stupid suggestion to you the other day on Twitter. Trade Kessler for Fleury, and then go and find a UFA going. But as you said, he's got no trade value whatsoever. No, <laughs> that was Walshy the fan talking, not Walshy the writer blogger. <laughs> Correct. That's right. Um, no, Fleury. We'll cover Fleury another day, but they, they do need to move on and save his $5 million. It, The problem we've got, though, is, is how. And as you said, we'll do it another day. It's, it, it's problematic. It needs to happen, and, and I hate it, and it sucks, and I wish it didn't have to happen, but it does. And it's one of those things where you get there and go, well, the problem is getting it done. It's the actual logistics of having it actually happen. So that's something for the general manager to, to deal with and, and, and work out. And thankfully that's not us. We can just sit there and do what we do as, as bloggers and, and podcasters and criticize the hell out of it. All right. Legitimately, finally, I'm going to pick. <laughs> we got off topic on the Western Conference a little bit there. Yeah, sorry. Um, I'm going to pick Canadians only for the selfish fact that Mario pointed to them and their success and that's how I think the Penguins may try to mold themselves after, so I think I'd like to see that be successful. I'm sorry, but I think New York are actually going to win the whole thing. Nope. Western Conference, whoever makes it out, going to kill the East. Nope. Nope. It's the Marty St. Louis factor. Nope. That was, it's nope. done. Um, no, nah, it's not. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, I, look, you and I said this before we started our last podcast. I said to you, the worst thing that happened to the Penguins was the worst thing that happened to Marty St. Louis because the New York Rangers will, you know, group around him and, and, and just play for Marty and play for that loss. That's and fine. They'll keep, they'll keep, no, no, and they'll keep doing it. That, that's just, it's just one of those things. There are teams of destiny. It happened. And it's just right now, New York, without them saying it, feel like that. They feel like they owe it to Marty St. Louis. He, he wanted out of Tampa Bay. He said he only wanted to go to New York. He's in New York. He's where he wants to be, and 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 they're going to do it for him. I, I just think they'll. Here's the roadblock. I think they'll. The Penguins yes. are a very flawed 
not four line team. That True. that is over with no matter who they play here on out, whether it's Montreal, Chicago, or LA. They that depth yeah. that depth that gave them strength versus Pittsburgh, they don't have better depth than the people in the West at all. They do have the best goaltender in the world, but they do not. I was have. about to say there is one equalizer to everything you just said then, but you nailed it. <laughs> but you're talking depth with high end talent on the Western Conference Chicago. teams. Yeah, so I, I agree. Um, with that said, I'm done. Sorry, <laughs> I keep interrupting. Um, so basically, that's the Penguins in a nutshell. Next week, we'll probably have more on them because they could have a new GM. We'll have conference finals to discuss and anything anything else hockey-related that's intriguing. Um, for me, you can find me on Twitter at Gunnar Stahl. You can find Cameron Walsh at Walshy66. You can find the Hockey Hurts Twitter at Hockey underscore Hurts. Obviously, our website being HockeyHurts.com. You can find our podcasts on the website. You can also find the podcast on iTunes. And if you could be so kind to give us a review while you're downloading it from iTunes, that would be much appreciated. And is it the Coach CW or CoachCW.com? Uh, CoachCW.com is where the, the online training stuff is. So nice and simple. So if you want personal training that you have the workout equipment at your home, you don't have to leave the home, but you might not necessarily know what to do with it, CoachCW.com. While she will take you through what kind of workouts you need to be doing with your equipment so you don't even have to leave the home to get expert advice. And uh, I think that's a great thing. New age. We're trying to get ahead of the curve. Cutting edge stuff there. Um, you can get Skype conversations, video, all sorts of nice stuff. I think it's a great thing. And if you are into the personal fitness thing, I think it's worth giving it a try. And oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. No problem. You can find my. <laughs> you can find Walshie's written hockey work at hockeyhurts.com. You can find. My stuff at HockeyBuzz.com for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, occasionally at HockeyHurts.com. I've been slacking in that department lately. Um, You've been a little busy, dude. You've had a lot to write. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I also do some freelance work for HockeyPerspectus.com. So uh, check all those places out. That's where you can find my work. And uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter, and we love to interact with uh, everybody online. I think it's a great forum for discussion and I always uh, enjoy it. So until next week, see you then. Thanks very much, guys.